This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing. But rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. everybody and welcome to episode 124 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben as ever and Gary is with me. Are you well, my good man? Got toothache. Oh. Yeah, I've got a hurty tooth. Oh. I've done it for about three weeks. I got it when I wasn't well. You know, when um, you and Jake brought down the mood of a nation with the podcast. Um, <laughs> I'd got a, a, a sore tooth and uh, yeah, it's been every morning I wake up and it bugs me. So... But yeah, other than that, I'm great. The sun's shining. I've been into Louth today around the co-op and I didn't buy fizzy drinks, which is a great start because we went for a walk on Sunday and my mum took a picture of me and I look a bit porky. Oh, mate, yeah. I look a bit porky in every picture. It's just natural. Yeah, it's yeah I, I sweat under my man boobs a bit as well. <laughs> so it's bad. I get to a T-shirt a day at the minute because my desk is in the window. And fees over the other side of the office in the shade, and I have to sit by the window slowly cooking. So I think about literally, if I sat here, if I didn't go for a lunch and that sort of thing, genuinely would be like being in a slow cooker. By the time, if you put me in some gravy, by the time it got to five o'clock, the meat would just fall off the bone. You know, in that beautiful way that beef does when it's been in the slow cooker. <laughs> Are you saying that you're 100% beef at this point? No, I think if you follow back a little bit, uh, I'm probably more like lamb. You know, when you get a lamb shank and you start peeling into it, half of it's fat. <laughs> uh, she's trying not to laugh. She's working at the side of me still. She was considering putting her headphones on there so she can't hear it because she thinks it's funny. <laughs> she only goes one side of the podcast as well, which is probably why she enjoys it. Oh, that's how. I was <laughs> going to say the same thing about rage. <laughs> it's uh no it's been um it has been fairly quiet week in in football really hasn't it you know not too much going on um you know it's been a pain in the ass when not pain in the ass but you know it's been a busy week when you know i'm getting phone calls at nine from radio lincolnshire saying can you come on at 10 and then you do it and it's great i love being on radio lincolnshire and then the next day it's like everything's changed can you come on again (laughs) (laughs) how can everything change i like we'll talk we we were going to talk about it later so we might as well get it out of the way i love there's a twitter account now that's things that lasted longer than the european super league um, and it's just like a whole list of things that were longer than two days, like the Suez Canal being blocked and England's <laughs> test match against such and such. And my toothache should probably feature on there as well. <laughs> oh, man. Just like, yeah, let's let's get into it. I mean, obviously, the, the discussion that we were going to have has obviously changed quite substantially over the past, like, you know, three or four days. And obviously I think you said on match day live, the word disgusting and, you know, about as many times as you can without watching that gif of the Scottish woman saying it over and over again, after finding that one of her kids can't uh, flush the toilet correctly. But I have never seen that gif. That is a reference that genuinely is going to be lost. I would say on 50 or 70 to 80% of our listeners. Okay. Well, I, I will send you it later and I'll put a link on the Twitters to the video. Cause it is fantastic. Um, I'll say I look forward to that. I probably won't, um, but I'll say it anyway. I look forward to that. 
No, you, you should. You should definitely watch it because it's brilliant. There's a, there's a video and everything. It's just As a hard. thank you, I'll send you a gif of Cornell going, back again! <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair Which enough. Brilliant. It's better than me doing uh, Bad, Bad Man, Man Ting. Ting. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the whole thing with the, the European Super League. Um, so can we not call it that? Can we call it the Franchise League or the Zombie League? Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll call it the, you know, the plan, I guess, is probably the way because it's it's just it's fallen apart as it rightly should have done. Um, and I think the the key takeaway for me at this point is seeing a lot of people um, kind of having the response that I, I want to want people to have from it is that they're not now treating those six clubs as heroes or, you know, Oh, they've done the right thing. It's a great, you know, great that they pulled out a great idea. It's like, no, they, the fact is that they signed up to it from the start. And the only reason that they pulled out of it is because they realized they were probably going to get kicked out of the domestic leagues. Um, and they realized they'd lose a hell of a lot more money than they were set to gain. Um, I mean, it was an abhorrent idea. It was just the absolute pinnacle of being anti-competitive and, you know, pulling the ladder up after, you know, they've, they've climbed it. It's just, it was just a horrible, horrible idea. And um, I've actually not yet seen Clive's appearance on uh, Sky Sports News, but uh, I will check that out because I think the club linked to it a bit earlier on. But you know, as always, Clive has been bang on on Twitter, and um, I just—I I mean, it was coming, wasn't it? From the the moment that they put forward Project Big Picture last season, we knew it was coming. It was just a case of when, and uh, it kind of hit the fan on Sunday. And I know you—I uh, know you had a, a a bit to say about you know some of the people that were on Sky, particularly Gary Neville, um, and. Uh, you know, I, I I agree with you to a point on that. I just think that the more indignant he got about it, the more I kind of agreed with him. Um, not in the sense that, you know, he's he's obviously kind of doing the what we perceive to be the wrong thing at Salford. But um, I think he kind of admitted, yes, I've taken a lot of money out of the game. But at the same time, this is ridiculous. So, yeah, glad it's over. Um, for now, obviously, they, they will try it again at some point, won't they? Yeah, of course they will. Um, the, you know, it hasn't even been since Project Big Picture. It's been before that. The money grab's always been there. You know, Premier League started in 92, but it, it was actually the, the first talked about in, like I think it was 86 or 87. Um, so, you know, there's always been uh, more, more, more. It's come about this type of opportunistic as Project Big Picture was. Um, it's, it's, you know, people are struggling. What can we do? There wasn't even any sweetener this time, was there? There wasn't a, well, we'll no. give you this or we'll give you that. It was literally just, we're going to do this. And it wasn't even a plan. It was a, we are doing this. Yeah. Um, and, and quite right. I mean, I use the analogy that if, if you break into a bank and you take people hostage, and then when you open the vault and the money's there, you go, actually, I'm not going to take this because you can hear sirens outside. You're not a hero for coming out and going, we're not robbing the bank anymore um mm. you've done it and and for me there should be consequences there won't be um because you know the 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 premier league and the like are actually hypocritical um, you know they've they won't sanction those players be or those clubs because those clubs earn them the money it's the same with uefa you know they'll welcome them back in like a, a son threatening to move out oh, i'll come back in um I think one. Or t- I, th- I think there was a big split in it. I think some of those clubs wanted to use it as leverage for a better Champions League deal or an extended Champions League. I think other clubs genuinely thought they were going to do it. And I think the three. I don't know if all of them have pulled out now, but I think that there was three left in the end, which was Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus, um, who were kind of still stood there going, "Well, what, well," um, <laughs> and they would just look like nobbets. I mean, Andrea Agnelli, uh, who, who was, I don't know if he still is the Juventus chairman. I haven't followed it closely since. Wednesday because I haven't had any need to um, but yeah he's a proper villain running the, um, the the European Club Alliance or Association or whatever it is as chairman looking after the interests of 230-40 clubs while at the same time planning this for 12 um, it, it, it's just ridiculous there's so many foul individuals involved in this and I saw um, I saw John Henry who's, uh, I think it's John Henry isn't it who's the Liverpool owner yeah uh, 
giving a you know a, a fawning interview. You know, we have listened to the fans. We are this. We are that. I just, you know, I just want to punch him in the face because he talks absolute utter shit. He hasn't listened to the fans. They had no interest in the fans. If they'd had interest in the fans, they would have canvassed them beforehand and found out that it was a ridiculous idea. If you're going to rob a bank and once you get caught, you go, I'm sorry to my mum and dad. Yeah, you're sorry to your mum and dad, but you wouldn't have gone to your mum and dad before and said, am I going to, should I rob this bank? Because you know the answer is going to be no. So you wouldn't have gone to the fans and said, should we set up Super League? Because the answer would have been, no, stop being a knob. Mm. Um, but they've done it anyway. And then they come out and they say that. Yeah, and um, This isn't particularly aimed purely at Liverpool. But as the example, you know, uh, working class clubs so connected with their fans. But over the last year, there have been so many actions that they've done where they furloughed staff, where they tried to put prices up and the fans have revolted. And you think that that guy thinks he's just going to stick a video on saying, oh, we made an error of judgment. You've made three errors of judgment that I can count in the last calendar year. And you're meant to be a clever man. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least the Glazers have got the, the, the dignity to just sit back and actually be the villains. You know, they are the Bond villains. They are hidden away in their tropical cave using their silly little puppet, Ed Woodward, um, to do all the dirty work. But ultimately they can say what they want. It wasn't about fans. It was about players. Didn't matter. Yeah. Didn't matter what the fans wanted because there would have been some moron willing to pay for Liverpool, Barcelona on the opening day of next season. There would have been millions of them willing to pay for it and it wouldn't have mattered a damn whether Chelsea's um, supporters didn't let buses into stadiums the mm. fact is as soon as players started kicking off about it um, that's when it mattered and I, I spoke to uh, a Man United fan who, who, who seems to think that um, Bruno Fernandes David De Gea Luke Shaw all revolted in the changing room as soon as they knew and a lot of their anger was not purely because of the Super League but also at the way that uh, that the managers, particularly their manager, obviously Ollie, but managers were hung out to dry. They were answering questions about something they had no idea about. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's farcical, and I'm bored of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing is, like, you know, it, it said it all, didn't it? When you know Jurgen Klopp came out on, uh, was it? Did they have a game on Monday? And he sort of Tuesday, said, you know, a Monday leads, yeah, yeah. So you know, the, the game on Monday, and he just came out and said, I didn't know about this until last night. It's like, how can you not let the manager of your football club know that, oh, by the way, we're going to be doing this? Like, it, it's like you say, it's a farce, absolutely farcical. And I think um, there's two things that I want to just say before we move on about this from having covered the video game industry as well. There are some parallels here. And the, the first one is the the apologies, you know, that when you get like when you get. Um, I know you're a big fan of Fallout 76, but like when that game released, it was a mess. And Bethesda I enjoyed came... it, by the way. I enjoyed it, but carry on. Well, you, you know, but like from from a, a real gamer's point of view, a, you know, I was going to say from a technical perspective, but like it <laughs> it it was a bit of a mess. Like you know, the, the game didn't review well. It had a lot of problems with it, and you know, Bethesda came out and said, "Oh, I'm sorry, we made a mistake." And they've done, so, you know, Arsenal did the same thing. It's like, sorry, we made a mistake. I'm like, no, a mistake is when you accidentally, you know, put a uh, like cross, a, uh, put a cross on top of a letter I when you're supposed to, you know, it's supposed to be a T and you put a dot on it or whatever. That's a mistake, something that you can very quickly and easily rectify. But spending months, because this must have taken a long, long time, spending months putting together some secret plan to shaft your fan base and the the rest of the league that you're supposedly competing in that's not a mistake I, you, see, you know i don't where, i don't know what word i can use but that is not a mistake that's where i'll counter i don't think there was months and months planning in this i don't think there was hardly any planning in this I think all they'd done is check their legal position and said, we're going to do it because nobody could come out with any sort of coherent strategy. They didn't even have a full roster of teams. And that, that, that's just the thing. It was harebrained. It's the sort of thing that you would expect a, a, a five-year-old child to come up with during 10 minutes break time. Do you know what I mean? And then go back in and say, we're going to do this. Look, we're going to take over the world and we're going to do it by stealing a car. And it was that kind of thing rather than a an actual structured and coherent plan. And mm. you know, if they'd come in and said, this is how qualification is going to happen, or we've spoken to UEFA, but it wasn't, it was just a plan. Like we're going to throw mum and dad out of their bedroom, and we're going to turn it into a den. Um, this was never going to happen. Sorry. What was your second point? No, I mean, like the, the, the second point, and it's actually one that was raised in an article on, um, on Eurogamer this week, which I think was a brilliant point. Um, 
was it was it the uh, Juventus? No, it was um, Real Madrid's owner who's come out and said, "Oh, you know, kids kids aren't interested in uh, in football anymore because it's you know they're all just interested in video games like Fortnite and Call of Duty, and you know they won't sit and watch a football match." Like, no, the reason that kids are interested in a game like Fortnite or Warzone, for example, is because they don't cost anything to play. Like you can play Fortnite on your phone, your phone, you know, that, that's been bought already, or it would be a device that you already own. You can play it on that for nothing. You can play Call of Duty Warzone for nothing. How much does it cost to get a subscription for Sky Sports so that you can watch a Premier League game? How much does it cost so that, you, you know, to, to watch any sort of sport? The only games now that are broadcast on free-to-air TV are what? The FA Cup final and a few England games? Match no of the day? No you know, th- there's hardly anything on free-to-air TV anymore. It's like you have to have a subscription for this. That's why kids aren't interested. It's because the cost is so prohibitive to watch football at that level. It's ridiculous. I think the fundamental issue here is that it's, it's television. Uh, yeah. And you know, we're talking about the European Super League. We're talking about these teams wanting a bigger slice of the pie because they are the brands that everybody wants to watch. But the point is that the Premier League and the FA uh, and the EFL to a degree have all been complicit in this happening because they've all been happy to sell a product further and further up. And slowly but surely, what I consider to be a cancer within the game has spread down. It's spread down from the Premier League to the Championship. And we're on the cusp of entering it. If we were to enter into the Championship, we'll have 5.45 kickoffs on a Sunday or whatever it is just to, to, to change for television and it won't be a, a, the full fan experience or you know it's a shame because there are teams at the championships kind of where it molds you have teams like Wickham and Akinfenwa scoring in the last minute last night which are still football it's still very much a football story and, and part of me thinks it's hilarious when Sheffield Wednesday and Derby are staring, staring relegation in the face because they are they are the sub stories they've tried so desperately to get onto that big rich top table and failed miserably and and so it's not funny for their supporters you know it's funny for their owners who have come steaming in that Chanziri you know thinking he's going to make a million on it and they're not um, and I just, yeah, you know, I just find it, I just find it all ugly and abhorrent. And you know, we've, we've spoken about it now for for fifteen odd minutes or so, and it bears absolutely no relation to the football we talk about on the podcast every week, the club that we support, uh, all the reasons that we support it. I haven't watched a full game of football on my television uh, apart from via iFollow or Now TV when Lincoln play uh, since I can remember. Not an England game. Um, I watched some World Cup 2018, but I didn't even watch four games then. I would, in fact, I missed most of the Columbia games. I had to go out and water the garden because Fee messaged me and told me it was too warm and <laughs> the plants might die. Um, and, and you know, now with VAR and stuff like that as well. But modern football is broken at the top level. It really is. So I'm just hoping Euro 2020 puts some hairs on the chest again and and, and revitalizes my love of top flight football because it is exciting and it is thrilling and the big stars are influential um, but they certainly wouldn't be if every week they were playing away at Barcelona and Real Madrid yeah um, absolutely so, yeah I was going to say let's let's draw a line under that I think there's you know people probably expecting us to talk about it to some degree so we have done um, there you go we give the people what they want <laughs> absolutely um, so let's 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 move on obviously we, we we're not going to dwell on on Bristol Rovers um Obviously, a you know resounding win, and I th- in terms of performance, I thought we were you know really really resolute um, and well worth the win. Um, and I'm not going to set off the QI buzzers by mentioning that man and his television viewing habits. Um, so, um, should we talk about Burton? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> right. So I mean. I think going into the Burton game, I think there was a few people that were obviously a bit nervous having um, having the news that, you know, we might potentially be without an entire first choice back four. Uh, but I think the guys carried on from the Bristol game, really. You know, they, they were, I think the confidence is back in the side now. I think, you know, the, um, the, the tails are up, for want of a better phrase. I think we really really solid in the first half i think we played some good stuff as well when you know when uh, when time allowed us to um and ultimately another on paper narrow victory but i didn't really feel like i could see us losing that game on tuesday um i think 
everybody had a great game. I, I was I was right with you in uh, your write up about the game, and I think Teo Eden for me was man of the match on on Tuesday night. I think he had a fantastic game, um, and it was really nice to see TJ Oma getting his, you know his first professional goal as well because it was. Uh, I think as as we mentioned last week, he's he's not you know he's not necessarily been the first choice and you know for, for reasons as you said last week you know he's, he's not our player so we're going to be playing our players first and foremost but really nice to see tj on the score sheet and really nice to see him have a good game as well um yeah couldn't couldn't put too many faults on it on on tuesday night and uh got the right result didn't we yeah they we we were in control from start to finish um, burton played some nice stuff in the first 10 minutes they played some decent stuff uh, in patches in the second half but the truth is they never threatened us um xg alert 0.37 for burton so you know nil was what they deserved um they were restricted to half shots half long shots from outside the area sean claire probably with two or three of them um i mean they certainly had possession in the second half at least in the first half it was really all us i thought in the first half we were excellent i thought we were absolutely excellent i thought we stuck to our task really well we played some lovely little patterns i mean we could talk about every single player in glowing terms you've mentioned um aoma and eden quite rightly both brilliant i thought regan paul was superb second good game in a week from regan um you know i'm not having this that he's a right back i keep seeing it uh, a center back rather he's a right back i don't see him as being played out of position i just see him as him getting better and better um, it's interesting what you said there about you know the worries ahead of the game about our back four. I, I actually predicted that we would lose the game um, on match day live. Uh, I was delighted to be wrong. I looked at that Burton Albion team and it just oozes creative players. Um, I mean, they brought Ryan Broom on, who I think is excellent. They've got Danny Rowe. They're the boy. Uh, Ryan Edwards was was a real force to be reckoned with. They've got ball winning midfielders. They should have been better. Um, but I don't think it was the fact that they were poor. I think that we just did our job so well. I mean, Teo slipping in at left back, you know, we lose our, our left back, Cohen Bramwell, to injury. Teo goes in there. It's like it's just like going back to having a first first choice left back in it. Um, mm-hmm. Ioma and Monsma actually uh, formed a decent partnership. I really like Ioma at centre back. Lewis has come on strong in the last couple of games as well. I was going to um, say that about Lewis because you know he he'd come in for some stick, and I think you know. I'd said on the podcast before, he's he's probably not been at his best since he's come back from COVID. But these past two games, he's he's been fantastic. I think Rob um, Rob Makepeace mentioned on the radio on on Saturday that you know the the game against Bristol is probably the kind of game that he he loves and that he needs to to get back onto his game. You know, sort of physical game against a, a big striker. Um, and whether that is the case and whether that's what spurred him on, I don't know. But I thought he was fantastic on Saturday and on Tuesday. Well, I, I think so. I think just think confidence is three mm. clean sheets in a row. When had we last kept a clean sheet before these three games that have just gone? Um, mm. Yeah, a long while ago, we were shipping goals for fun. Two against Blackpool, two against Oxford, three against Gillingham, yeah, two against Rochdale. It, it, it was it's just nice and and to be fair we haven't really been in serious danger of conceding I mean, Bristol Rovers hit the bar in early doors they they were probably unluckiest of the teams that we've played MK Dons didn't really threaten and and it's all right to say that we've played poor teams but we haven't you know Burnham were one of the informed teams their form in the second half of the season is playoff form mm. uh, and whilst I don't put a lot of weight in form in terms of a barometer of where you are I think when a manager has come in and changed eight or nine of your players um, and 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 the, the way that you play, you've got to take that into consideration when you're rating the quality of this result. I don't predict Lincoln City to lose games for fun. I predict Lincoln City to lose games when the opposition that we're coming up against are good enough to beat us. Um, and, and I know that sounds like a no-brainer, but you know what I mean? I, I didn't predict that we would lose to Bristol Rovers. I didn't predict we would lose to Milton Keynes Dons. I actually predicted we'd take something from the Blackpool game. I didn't choose Burton because I wanted to be controversial. I chose it because on paper they're a very, very good side. You know, Lucas Aikens is a player who I've, I've always rated. He scored goals in the championship for them. Kane Hemmings, you know, a real handful of a centre-forward. And, and, and you go to Bristol Rovers as well with Brandon Hanlon and Jordan Nyonga. They're two good centre-forwards we've come up against. And and we've spoken now, what, seven, eight minutes about the game. We've not mentioned Brennan Johnson, who I've seen in the press today, Forest rate at £10 million. Mm. Uh, Morgan Rogers, who was excellent in the first half, you're a £4 million player. And this is Lincoln City. It's utterly ridiculous. You know, in the past, I've watched us have Dave Cameron up front, uh, you know, a trier, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And yeah. 
and uh, you know, all it pains me a little because I know this Lincoln City with everybody fully fit, in my opinion, wins League One. And yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that because you, you look at the results that we've had. You know, we had a massive dip post Valentine's Day up to Easter, and that came because we lost players. If we hadn't had um, players injured for Oxford, uh, or, or even if we'd had like Brennan Johnson in not on international duty, when you think how many we'd had, and we lost two one, and we shouldn't have lost two one, we gifted them the goal. You know, even massively depleted, we drew at Sunderland. We, we were good enough to win this league. And mm. we won't go up automatically. Um, but I have, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we're in the playoffs now. And, and if that comes to haunt me, so be it. Um, I don't see us now f- losing the position that we're in in the playoffs at all. Um, so we're now planning for two massive, massive games in April, in May, in my opinion. And to see George Grant coming back, that was a big boost. So I think that was a highlight of yours, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I think um, I think I said on, you know, on on social media, it was a case of, I think George Grant coming back, the Super League being dead, other things happening in the world. It was it was premium lager doing Tuesday nights. It really was. Um, I think he looked fired up, and that was that was immediately apparent to me. I think he, he looked superb um, in Super terms of his. Up. Yeah, too, I mean, too you know, fired up. In, in terms of his attitude, I think he was. Uh, I, I think he had the right the right kind of direction, but maybe just needed to hold him back a little tiny bit. Um, I think Michael mentioned that in his, his post-match as well. And it was, um, it was really good to see him back in the, you know, back on the bench. I think I said before the game, that was a, that was a morale boost. And then to have him come on, I thought he'd get about half an hour. So it was, it was nice to see him come on. And um, yeah, I, I just, do you think he'll be fit to start on Saturday? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. Um, if I was pushed, I would say that he probably would. Uh, knowing Michael's strategy, he tends to give a player uh, a short introduction and then and then in. Joe Walsh had 45 minutes and then a full game. But then given how Joe Walsh is then injured again since then, Michael may not risk it. I, I think there will be a real, a definite train of thought that agrees with me at the club that you know they're not arrogant, but I think they'll look at it and go, actually, we, we need, realistically, we need a win to guarantee a playoff place. Mathematically, it needs to be more, but a win all but guarantees it. I think if we win, it would only be Portsmouth who could catch us by winning all their games and we lose all the rest of our games. So with that, so with that in mind, I don't think Michael will go hell for leather because it doesn't matter where you finish. It doesn't matter whether you finish third or sixth in the playoffs. You've still got to be two other teams that are in the playoffs. There's no home and away advantage at the moment whatsoever. Um, because there's no crowds and we're probably better away. So you know, what does it matter? You play your first game away and your second game at home. You're still playing a game away and a game at home. Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter. I mean, look at Bristol Rovers when we played them in the playoffs and we had her, we had home advantage in the second leg, but we're already 2-1 down. So, well, yeah, so what? Wow, great. That was, that was tremendous, wasn't it, that? Um, so... You know, you then look into that two-legged game, and for that two-legged game, that's when you want George Grant fit. So, if it were me, um, and I'm not a football manager, so I, you know, I just talk about it an, an awful lot. Um, but I would probably not start with George Grant on Saturday. Um, however, if they're looking at the automatic promotion spots and thinking we can still do this, and it's possible, by the way, mm. then George Grant starts against Hull. I mean, I. <sighs> We, we've said several times, you know, I think automatics are probably shot at this point. But looking at the table, we've still got to play Peterborough. Peterborough's still got to play Doncaster twice and Charlton. I don't think it's completely off the cards. You'll know this weekend if it is or not. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Because Sunderland play Charlton. I mm-hmm. think... Uh, sorry, Peterborough play Charlton this weekend, I think. Um, I think Peterborough beat Doncaster home and away because Doncaster are guff at the minute. They're awful. Um, and, and although they're fighting for a playoff play, so they're six points outside of it. Uh, they've got games in hand of everybody above them. So they're still in with a shout, but the run of form that they're on, you know, that they're, they're awful. Um, so if we were to go to to uh, into Saturday's game against Holland win, 
and Peterborough were not to win against Charlton. We then have to win our game in hand. Now, bear in mind, our game in hand is actually after we meet Peterborough. Mm. And their game in hand is against Charlton. <laughs> so <laughs> th- the point is, you know, the pressure is obviously all on us. Mathematically, yes. The, the, if Peterborough slip up and we are we, we win, I think we, we wouldn't even have to win our last five games. I think we'd just have to better their results. Mm. Um, but, you know, assuming that Peterborough takes seven points, we have to win all of our remaining games. I, I It's a big ask, It's but it's close. And given how drastically this division has changed week after week, you know, it, we were first and second versus Ipswich, I think, when we played them, weren't we, back in... Yeah. Um, October, you know, we were vying with Hull at one point. Hull looked like they were falling out. Then Sunderland looked like they were coming in. Blackpool looked like they were coming on strong. And everyone just keeps falling. I mean, Portsmouth now look in a really dodgy position. It's just crazy. So anything could happen. And anybody saying, I think, that the top six will be as it is now is is on dodgy ground. But I think the top six will be as it is now, um, <laughs> personally. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't normally normally you would see um in usually probably league one league two and the championship you would normally see one team promoted by now um i think we've uh we you know we'd obviously going back um to when we got promoted we we were i think grand champions on this day three years two years ago we were bear in mind it was a slightly different season mm. um but yeah yeah we, we were crown champions we we were promoted the week before that um, yeah. weren't we against or even a week or two before that i can't remember yeah yeah but i mean i mean that's the thing like you, by this point you would expect to see one club promoted from each division at this stage and i think as it stands the only one to be confirmed to be promoted is norwich um, no, I don't look. I haven't looked at the championship. Yeah, they are. You're right. I think Cambridge can be promoted this weekend, but yeah, yes. it's yeah, it's been it's been tight. And and I I mean, in the context of our division, it was always going to be tight with Hull and Peterborough and Sunderland. You know, sides with money, Ipswich are in there. Portsmouth were always going to be. I just think the fact that we're in there is utterly phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and Absolutely. and again, you know, if if this had been a normal season. We wouldn't have played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. We wouldn't have had as many injuries. And I guarantee you, um, and I can't be proven wrong, so it's a great thing to say, uh, <laughs> we'd be we'd be top two, arguably championship by now. So, yeah, yeah. no, I, I think I think I'd, I'd agree with you on that. I just think, like you said earlier, if we had a fully fit fully fit squad all season, you know, obviously you get the one or two little niggling injuries, but I think if we'd have been in a, a normal season, I think, yeah, you're right. We, we would have won this league, but we can't have the ifs and buts because, you know. How arrogant are we? <laughs> 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 well, no, it's brilliant. true, though. I, I, it, that's, that's kind of where my opinion sits because you look at the players coming back and you see players coming back and the things immediately start to change. Like, it, there is no... There's no argument for me the other way to, to turn around and say, oh, well, you know, maybe that, that could have... Like, there is... You've said it before. Liam Brickett goes out. You know the the number of games that we lost with Liam Brickett in the squad was minimal compared to when he was when he was out. I I can't see any other sort of real way of looking at it other than when we have those players available or when you know players have um you know when when players have extended periods out of the side. We we you know the results take a hit because we've not got that consistency available. And what, what I find mildly amusing, um, and you mentioned Liam Bridcott there, is ahead of the Burton game, I'd seen Mancian's form, um, and I thought, God, if only we'd managed to sign Mancian in January. When Bridcott got injured, we might have been able to bring Mancian in, sit him in front of the back four, and we would have been laughing. And then he went off before half-time, and it's just like, ah, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, like, you know, two... Two really, really good wins um, this week. I think you include the MK win in that and you include the draw, you know, before then as well. I think it's been a really good two weeks to be a Lincoln City fan. And and that's coming from somebody that, you know... Two weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say two weeks ago was, was, you know, I, I caught up on my messages when I got back on Twitter and I just thought, well... That's me done for a while, you know, for a while. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> I just think it's great that two weeks ago you were saying we just need to get to the end of the season. And, <laughs> and now I'm like, we're going to win the league. You know, it's like... <laughs> Four games and ten points later. <laughs> it's, no, 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 no. We don't need to get to the end of the season anymore. We're all right. <laughs> I mean, we, we do need to get to the end of the season, but we need to get to the end of the season in second place. Um, uh, but do you know what? Here's the amusing thing, right? So four points, ten games later, and we are where we are. But if we'd lost all of those games, right, so we'd be ten points less, we'd have 62 points now and 41 games. We'd still be in the best position, uh, in, a, in a good position rather to be in the playoffs, because we would, okay, we would, Goal difference, I don't know, but arguably would be better than two. So we'd still be above Gillingham. Um, we'd have a game in hand of Portsmouth and be three points behind them. Uh, and we'd have two games in hand of Oxford and be three points behind them. So we'd still be in a decent position. That's that's how bad the teams around us have been. And, and when you look at the form guide from seven to 13, the seven teams there, it shows their last five games. So seven, five, 35, and they have won 11. So the teams from seven to 13 have won 11 of their last 35 games in total. And it's all about coming into form right now. And I, I just think in terms of the playoffs, nobody's going to want to play Lincoln City if these players are getting back. Nobody. I, I feel hugely confident. Um, I mean, I, you know, I haven't really been that negative going through the season. I think I, I've questioned automatic promotion when we begin to tail off. But I know that this team have got it in them when, um, you know, when they're fully fit and functioning and firing. And I think what's also frustrating is you take some key moments as well, like two penalties against Doncaster missed. Mm-hmm. You know, I know this is ifs and buts, but if they go in, we're on 75 points now. So then we're four points behind Peterborough with a game in hand and still to play them. Peterborough, well, we missed a penalty at one all and we could have beaten them 2-1. If we beat them 2-1, they're now on 78 points and we're on 74 points with a game in hand. So do you know what I mean? It's, mm. I, I, people said at the time those missed penalties or costers, and I know I'm doing the thing that I criticised them for doing at the time, but you just look at it and just think, <laughs> oh. and look, a missed penalty isn't, you can't look at the player and go, yeah, but you missed that penalty because you know, Anthony Scully missed them one and George Grant missed two, and between them they've got, what, 30 goals in all competitions. So you, you don't criticise it. Mm. But it, it, this season really has been one of fine margins, and yeah. with five games left, you know, it's it's so close. It's so yeah. it's edge of your seat stuff. This is like waiting for the last two episodes of Line of Duty, and if you say anything else about it at all, but he's getting that point. You know what I mean? It's been a roller coaster ride. It's been up and down, and, and I know that's so stereotypical um, punditry, but it really has. Yeah. And here we are now. And for me, we're the team to watch. We're the team to watch in the playoffs, hundred percent. I yeah. I mean, you know, I'm. Um, can't disagree um have you caught up on line of duty yet by the way no oh awesome no. still got we're, that in my back pocket we've got um has there been four episodes so far uh five i think there's two left okay i thought it, i thought it was only six is it seven episodes yeah they're doing seven episodes this season okay well we are watching we're catching up this weekend so that we can watch sundays in real time ahead of the the finale a week on Sunday because I don't want knobheads on Twitter spoiling it for me. <clears throat> hey, I I haven't well no, I haven't you tweeted. haven't I I'm haven't not, tweeted for two and a bit weeks and then I uh, I've not tweeted specifically about Line of Duty, um, but I might do on Sunday. So you know I took everybody off mute <laughs> because I, I felt rude muting people uh, and luckily there was a little announcement about a franchise zombie league which seemed to take everybody's <laughs> so a, a monday morning i thought i don't look and then it's like oh that's happening is it so anyway there we go so that is um uh i'll, I'll be honest with you i've had that in my back pocket because i've been like if he's too mean to me i'm just going to spoil line of duty for him she's just done it anyway because i'm <laughs> <laughs> i do um, so, so obviously that's that's the games that we have played. I mean, I, we've almost run into Hull a little bit by talking about what might be because you know if we're going to go up automatically, we have to beat Hull City on Saturday, don't we? Absolutely. I was going to say, you know, we've we've talked about um, coming into form at the right time. Hull have been on a tremendous run of form. Um, I think I don't think they've lost since February. Now, do we think we can change that at the weekend? Um, we- we can, but we won't. <laughs> I I think a lot depends on on who's available. Um, I know 
you know, I know just we've, we've just spoken about the how people have been resolute from you know the past two games, but if we have more of those names coming back from injury, even if they're not on the pitch, I think it's it, it's the subconscious sort of morale boost if they're on the bench or if even if they're just involved in some way with the match day squad. I think there is a a bit of a psychological boost seeing people coming back and I think that that will feed into the players confidence. Um we've looked very strong. Um you know we we've looked like we're not going to give they we're not going to give anything away, you know. You, you just have to look at the sending off um uh Bristol Rovers when you can see the togetherness and I mean I know Teo's always been the kind of player that would, you know, stick up for anybody. But that to me shows the the mentality and the nature of this squad at the moment. And I think if we keep that mentality and stick to the game plan that, you know, Michael's stuck to for most of the season, I honestly think we can get a result on Saturday, whether it's all three points, I don't know, but I think we can get a result. Um, I'm going to surprise now. I like mine. Um, I'm going to do the Alan Partridge thing because uh, do you know what? That's I, I say we won't. And I, I think the game will be a draw, um, but I say that we can because actually Hull have been persistently overperforming um, in terms of da, 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 XG. Uh, and I go back as far as the beginning of March, they beat Bristol Rovers 2-0 XG both on 1.2. They beat Peterborough 3-1. Peterborough had higher XG than they did, so Peterborough created better chances than they did. Uh, they beat Oxford 2-0. Neither team rated above one for XG, so it was a poor. Same they drew with Shrewsbury. Neither team did. They've had moments. They beat Crew 2-1, should have done, and beat Gillingham 2-1, should have done. But, you know, they've, they've played some poor teams in recent weeks. OK, they beat Plymouth and Northampton 3-0, but Plymouth get pumped 6-0 at home. Um, they beat Fleetwood 2-1, and the XG was 1.3 to 1.2. Sunderland, they drew 2-2. Their XG was 1.7 to Sunderland's 2.4. So teams are creating chances. What Hull have got is a good array of attackers. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got, obviously, uh, Lewis Potter. Tom Eaves has been coming in and out. Malik Wilkes, Josh McGuinness. You mean Keen Lewis Potter? I can't. I, no, I'm not saying that. That's the thing. <laughs> I'm not going to say that because you'll hear that enough uh, at the weekend. No, you um, won't. No, you won't. No, that's right. You won't. Right. You can listen to Michael and Rob as well, can't we? Um, but I, I you know, they, they score a lot of goals. They've done really well. Um, they're definitely championship bound. They're going up. You know, even if we were to reel them in, uh, I, I, I would, would finish above. I think they'd finish above Peterborough. Um, so uh, yeah, they're going to the back to the championship. And rightly so. They've got a great side. Um, they play four-two-three-one. Actually, I think that suits us a little bit. Uh, I think we saw with Burton when you've got the one striker and then the bank of three behind. You know, that bank of three have got to work really hard to break us down, especially if our midfielders are on form. Um, you know, they play. Uh, they've got that Doherty, who I think is a great player. He's he's a, a, on loan from Rangers, signed permanently. Not sure. Real special player. Dan Crowley play pulls the um, strings. They can bring Gavin White in. Yeah. The, this is the best squad in uh, League One at the moment, in my opinion. They made some great, great signings. Uh, it pains me to say it because it's all uh, they are worthy champions. Uh, and as yet, in 180 minutes of football, they haven't beaten Lincoln City. Uh, I think if we come out of this with a draw, you know, I'm not writing off entirely our automatic promotion hopes. And if we were to draw this and Charlton were to beat Peterborough, it would be one step closer. But Massive, massive game, huge game. Can you imagine what Central Bank would be like with what's at stake? Oh, don't, don't. I, I, I almost, I almost want people, right? I, I would never say this irresponsible. I almost want people to go socially distanced at an area somewhere near Central Bank where they're not getting the club into trouble, you know, a metre apart and all that sort of thing, and chant for ninety minutes just to try and let the players know that what a game this is, because unfortunately. The size of it, the pomp, the ceremony, the excitement, it, it's going to be kind of lost a little bit. You know, it's just going to be like sitting and watching every other game in it in silence. And and it shouldn't be like that because this should be a 10,000 capacity game of the season. And if it was, then I'd be saying that we might win it because yeah. I think that would be what would, would twist it. 
So promises to be a great game, two good football insides, like possession, like passes, um, really good attacking players. You know, if there's a whole city podcast, they'll be looking at us now going, Brennan Johnson worth 10 million, um, you know, Morgan Rogers 4 million. And they'll probably, probably be thankful that we've got all the injuries that we have. Mm-hmm. I'd just love to, I would love to have gone toe to toe with Hull in the league with a full squad. Cause it would have yeah. been a humdinger. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the thing you mentioned there about the, the front three, I th- you know, are you sat down, Gaz? Mm. I've done a bit of research. Well, something I'd give. <laughs> you had to do something to redeem yourself in the eyes of the listener. <laughs> I think I worked it out that the front three between them have 46 league goals between them this season. They did, remember, they play a lone striker and then a three behind him. So they don't play like a front three and a 4-3-3. Three, three. Uh, so Lewis Potter, Magenis and Malik Wilkes. Okay, yeah. Between them, they've got 46 goals. Yeah. That's impressive. I mean, you, you know, you see all this clamour for a 20-goal-a-season striker. Like, they currently don't have... Neither of those three have 20 goals yet. Um, I think, uh, is it Wilkes is on 18 league goals for the season. So he might have 20 goals in all competitions. But in terms of the league, when you when you have that level of consistency and that level of attacking prowess at your disposal, yeah, like you say, they are worthy as to where they are. And I'll be honest, I called Hull for a, a bit of a dip in form a few weeks ago. I, I thought they'd drop into the playoffs. Um and I, I thought when uh, I think when Sunderland were on their bit of a resurgence, I called it as Peterborough finishing champions and Sunderland finishing second with with Hull in the playoffs. But they've surprised me. They've kept going, um, and it's really impressive. Like it, I'm saying it through gritted teeth because, as you said, it's Hull. But Christ, they've impressed me this season. Um, I think at one point they were. They were really starting to slip, but they've they've pulled it back. But I just wonder if, you know, we said earlier we don't want to put too much stock in form and anything like that. But I just wonder if our, our form's turning at the right moment and we might come away with three points on Saturday. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't play a front. We do play a front three. And if you were to pick the right front three and uh, Grant Johnson and Anthony Scully, um, they've got 42 goals between them. That's true. So, I, you know, the, the thing is, I think there's the, there's the depth as well. You, when you look at the likes of the Gavin White and the Dan Crowleys and the and the Greg Doherty's, you know, they're, they're all tremendous players. Um, and I think that's what's got Hall through because they haven't suffered any major injuries. They had Tom Eves out for a long while this season who would have been their leading striker, I think. Um, you know, he, he would almost certainly be playing every week for us in Tom Hopper's absence, um, such is his quality. But again, I, do you know what? I, I Sometimes I think that we get a little overawed, or maybe I do. You know, I look at some of these squads like I did with Burton, and, and you know, I, I judge them from from the out from the inside looking out, and I don't judge us um, mm. in the same way. You know, we watch our players every week, so we know when you know Brennan Johnson probably isn't firing for twenty minutes of a game, and, and, and we judge not judge him on that but, you know we hold that in our minds when we're rating our own chances whereas what we do with Hull is we watch snippets on the football league show and you know we, yeah. we look at stats and we look at that sort of thing and think blimey they must be good whereas in actual fact you know maybe they should be that good maybe they should be better maybe when we're looking at the xg and you think well actually they only drew 2-2 with Sunderland and, and Sunderland had um you know, they've got no fit centre halves. They had Luco Nine and Bailey Wright. Oh, Bailey Wright's back, is he actually? So they had Luco Nine still at centre half and a half fit Bailey Wright. And mm. um, so maybe you know Hall should have been beating them. I don't know. And, and like you said, they've been on a great run of form. All run, all form comes to an end. You know, all, all form does one way or another. If you're doing really well, eventually you'll go through a sticky patch. They've only lost once since February. It's absolutely primed. Um, so you know, I've completely changed my tune in this short segment. Um, we're we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to beat them. We're going to win the league. We're going to go up back again. Um, I'm going to hammer it. I've got, I've got, I've got a, um, I hesitate to say an injection of Cornell. That doesn't sound right. Um, I've inherited some of Cornell's positivity. I think, um, you know, he's, he's infectious in a positivity way. And, Gary Hutchinson, um, bad man ting. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, um, you know, you 
just want to be involved, don't you? I'll tell you something with four games to go. If someone had said to me, you're still in with a shout of automatic promotion at the beginning of the season, um, I would have asked them for a gram and a half of what they were having. <laughs> well, I wouldn't because I don't do that sort of thing. It's a metaphor. Uh, not a metaphor. Whatever. It's been some folic acid tablets. Yes, um, exactly. Anyway. Folic. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm feeling strangely positive at the moment. It's... Uh, it's been a weird couple of weeks, but nothing like a good, you know, like you said earlier, nothing like 10 points from four games to, to pull you out of it, is it? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the weekend. I think it's going to be, as you said, I think it's going to be the kind of game that, that deserves a crowd. But hopefully, even though we're not there, hopefully, you know, it can, it can just be a, a bit of a humdinger. Um, I might go and knock on all the doors along Scorer Street and see if someone will let me into their back window with a loudspeaker. Oh dear! Did you see what uh, some Cambridge fans did in the week? No, they got a. Um, I can't remember where they were playing, but they they got an Airbnb, um, and it the the back of the Airbnb um, looked out over the pitch. So they were at, they were all sat on the balcony together because now you can do that. Um, it was away at Orient. Or oh, was it? Might have been Saturday actually. Um, where were they Saturday? Can you uh, sit on a balcony together? Are you allowed to do that? So, yeah, it was. I think it must have been the. Um, it must have been the 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 Orient game. But there, there was like a block. I think it was like a block of flats, and they they got the Airbnb and there was a, like a balcony there. So they were all sat outside socially distanced as much as it could allow from the, on the balcony and they were all sat there with a few beers just watching the game and i thought that is genius you know if there was more more places like that available i thought it'd be fantastic if only we lived in a built-up inner city area <laughs> i mean i've always fancied uh, training as a fireman what do you think no okay. chance whatsoever <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, just you just know who for, you're talking to. Just for Saturday, you know, just to see if we can get some training in and, ben, and get on the. I went uh, walking in the Walt on Sunday and I had to hold on to a fence because there was a drop of about fifteen meters at the side of me. Fucking mate, fireman! I am, I am not a, I am not a fan of heights by any stretch of the imagination. I had a panic attack when I went up the Burj Khalifa, and that's not a euphemism. Um, what? Sorry, the Burj Khalifa. I mean, no, admittedly, I that is the tallest building in the world. Um, yeah. I had one when I went on the Boston stump and that's not the tallest building in Lincolnshire. <laughs> no, you get into the Burj Khalifa and the lift has two buttons on it. It has ground floor and like floor 246. Got to the top of that lift and nearly kicked myself. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I just want to see, I just want to see this team in person. And I don't think we're going to be able to, because even if we get to the playoff final, I don't think they've announced anything for, for the playoffs yet, have they? Um, I know uh, they've, yeah, announced, they've announced they've, they've announced when it is. Well, yeah, but I don't think they've announced anything in terms of allowing people in, because I know oh, they have so. for the they have for the FA Cup final, I think. That'd be a test event, wouldn't it? Yeah. And do you know what? Actually, the, the gods are with us on this. Um, the gods are with us because as as I may have said on the podcast before, and if I have, you can either hit fast forward or endure it again. Um, in 2003, when we were in Bo- played Bournemouth in the playoff final, uh, I was on holiday with my mother in um, Devon uh, and uh, for the whole build up and had to go straight to the game from Devon. In 2005 uh, was the next time I went on holiday with my mother uh, and it was the week after we played South End in the playoff final, and we were also uh, in Devon. Uh, and the week now, starting on what would be the second leg and running all the way through to two days before the final, uh, is the next time I am going on holiday with my mother. Um, so it is written in the stars that we shall be in the playoff final. I just hope it isn't written in the stars that we get beat 5-2. Yeah, that'd be nice. Or bring on two defenders to replace uh, yeah. two strikers in the last 10 minutes. Exactly. So, anyway. Right, is there much else that we need to discuss this yes. week in There's the world the of the most important topic of them all. Go on. Should Jack let Olivia get a dog? <laughs> Long and short of it, yes. Yes, obviously yes. 
dogs yes. are greater than people. I mean, I, I don't understand what Jack's reticence here. Uh, a, a dog is, um, first of all, brilliant. Uh, if he can, you know, he's in the, he's got a strong negotiating position here because um, Olivia wants the dog and will therefore have to, in some way, give something back in order to to convince Jack. And what I would say is all walking duties are to be performed by the other half. That's what Fee more or less said to me when I wanted Charlie. I walk him twice a day, every day. Um, so Jack can get out of that. He just gets the best bits of having a dog. You know, get one that doesn't shed hair. Uh, so that your house doesn't smell um you may have to take it to the groomers but again you know that would have to be at olivia's cost so she'd have to find a groomer i can recommend one by the way um good friend jackie is a groomer in lincoln um commission no i'm not on commission the next girlfriend of mine was a groomer as well uh, and they both went solo so um but anyway uh and, and get a little dog so that it doesn't you know you know you don't get on the sofa and find out that you've got dog arse in your face while you're watching line of duty because nobody wants that um but yeah i can't understand why you don't want a dog a rabbit she, she's getting a rabbit they're a wank pet honestly <laughs> they are aren't they oh i've got a rabbit what does it do well it stays in its hutch and it hates me oh that's cracking and then eventually it dies and you have to if, if you're a conscientious owner you have to take it to the vet and you have to pay 50 pounds and they go oh yeah your rabbit's dead or it's dying that rabbits are not a good pet i'm sorry they're not they're really not we had a rabbit when i was younger um and it just it was just horrible couldn't hold it it'd kick you it'd bite you it'd snarl at you if you let it out of its hutch on the grass it'd bugger off um and, and otherwise it just sat in its hutch rubbish get a dog honestly well, i can't I, 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 yeah no, no dog no dog no <clears throat> the thing about a cat ben and i know you're a cat person and i get that and i was a cat person as well but a cat will go into somebody else's garden and defecate uh and no, no, my bury. cat doesn't well she's an inside cat okay well do you know what i'm gonna be honest i'm not a big fan of people who have inside cats uh my friend john had a couple of inside cats and it was just such a faff trying to trying to convince the cat that it was an inside cat do you know what i mean because cats naturally kind of want to go out and i'm sure your cat's different and and i'm, I'm not treading on any toes no she does she goes out but you know she, well, you just she said she was an inside garden. cat yeah she's an inside cat that's allowed in the garden how does she how does she stay on how do you stop her getting into somebody else's garden because you can't communicate that to her do, do you have lead weights on her feet how do you stop her rage brought a lead for her right well <laughs> Okay. Now, because I'm straying into offending Rachel here, and that's not something that I intend to do because I do solely save that for you, um, I'm going to steer away from that and just return to the reason why Jack and Olivia should not get a cat. Um, And that is predominantly because you can fall out with the neighbours if they're a gardener uh, when the cat starts to leave little surprises in the garden. I know this because Fee's a gardener and that's why she doesn't like cats. And I've been indoctrined uh, into that same way of thinking. Um, The other thing about a cat is that they're not needy and therefore do not fill a hole in your life that you didn't realise that you had. Um, You know, I carry my dog to bed every night because it won't go up the stairs uh, to bed without me carrying it. It will wait at the bottom of the stairs for me to pick him up. Uh, And I like that because it makes me feel needed. Uh, Whereas a cat will basically get what it wants from you and then go to the other side of the room, lick its anus and not come near you for 12 hours. Uh, That's not the type of cat I want. I don't want an aloof pet. I want a pet that makes me feel like I'm needed. Jack? Get a cat, get a dog, name it XG. Uh, make sure all walking <laughs> rights are signed over to Olivia. Get a dog. I mean, he could always, you know, he could call it Reedy, and then he's, you know, he, 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 Well, I know you had a chicken called Reedy. Yeah, it's dead. That's why I said had. Yeah, I know. But, I, I, and I've got lumbered with one called a Kindy now. I called <laughs> it a Kindy at the time. Still alive. <laughs> you know. You, you, Call it Reedy, because then, you know, you, you form that. You've already got halfway to the bond. You're already halfway there. Don't let it get overweight. I imagine if I had a dog called Reedy, it would be like the Dulux dog. <laughs> That's how I imagine Reedy in dog form. And luckily, you don't need to imagine George Grant in dog form, because he already looks suspiciously like a poodle. <laughs> Is his hair? And on that note... <laughs> Anthony Scully would probably be a terrier. 
We should probably do this in the closed season. We should probably do it off air. Yeah, I'll say if we do it in the closed season, you know, Lincoln City players as pets. Which would be a cat, aloof, not interested in you unless it uh, unless it was prompted. Danny and Gesson, maybe. <laughs> Tony Battersby. No, I'm not having that. I'm not having that <laughs> at all. Tony Battersby would be a pigeon. Yeah. What, he'd shit on you from a great height? No, 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 no. I'm not getting into this because I'm sure Tony Battersby's a nice guy. I'm sure he is as well. There's nothing nothing mean-spirited in, in anything that we say. Well, unless no, it's aimed lots, at me. Not, yeah, unless it's aimed at you or... or uh, no, just you, actually. No, that's, <laughs> that's not right, Ben. That's not right. Oh dear. Well, that is very nearly an hour, so we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, thank you for joining us. Let's... Uh, Look forward to Saturday, and hopefully, we'll be uh, we'll be on the you know on the path of another ten points from another four games. All right, up the imps, up the imps. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.